Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. So turn to Isaiah 65. It's the uh, second to the last chapter of the book of Isaiah. And so it should be at the very, very end of the book of Isaiah. And this passage comes towards the end, starting in verse 17. It's a uh, passage that's pretty famous. I imagine some of you have heard these verses before. It starts off like this. Isaiah 65, 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before you, and as we study this great book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah and his words, the words that you spoke, Jesus, through Isaiah, and we have now on record for us to look at and study, would you open our eyes and minds to this passage of of hope, a new heavens, a new earth that we can look forward to. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and and God, we we do ask that um, as we speak about this passage, there, there won't be this escapism mentality that that all we are about is just um, looking to the end and our hope is only in the afterlife. But there is hope here. You've given us your presence, your, your hope, your glory here on earth. And Lord, may we bring heaven to earth like, like in the prayer, the Lord's Prayer. So Lord, we love you and we praise you this morning. And everybody said, Amen. I lived in this city for a year, a year only, and I knew that I was going to live in this city for only one year. Uh, those of you familiar with it, anybody recognize this city? It's next to the mountains. It's, it's, uh, it's Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, go Lobos, I guess. Um, uh, my dad was in the military, and so we moved uh, to Albuquerque, and I knew ahead of time that I was only going to be in this city, in this place, for one year. It was my freshman year of college. I went to the University of New Mexico. And it's an odd thing if you know that you're only going to be in a place for a year. It turned out to be just a little shy of a full year. If you know that you're moving somewhere and you're only going to be there less than a year, well then, you, I don't know, it's, it's a, maybe a trap to not lean into life. It's a trap to, to just hang back and not go out and um, get to know people and go to church and engage in the life in the community. And that's what I did. I totally hung back that year and I did not go to church for a very long time, like until I got a job and then some people at the job, I worked at Pizza Hut, invited me to church and I finally went to church with them. But I feel like I missed out so much on that year because I was just looking at escaping um, I had this idea of just like, oh, I know I'm only going to be here a year. I really don't like this city. And I had a girlfriend at the time that was, that was long distance. She was in another city. And so I was just like, I just don't like Albuquerque. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to make friends at school. Like people, if you're a freshman in college, as you walk by the student, uh, like the, the commons, there was people like handing out things like, join our club, do this, come join us tonight. We're going to be doing this and that. And I was just like, forget it. I'm only here a year. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I'm just, just trying to survive this year. And then after this year, uh, we'll end up somewhere else and then I'll engage, I'll go to church. And so unfortunately, like I look at that year 
and I think the only thing I did was get some high scores on some video games. <laughs> and I did do a year of school, um, so that was... Uh, but, but church and the Christian life, it was just a really depressing year. And I feel like I missed out so much on that year because I had this mentality of escapism. And that's one of the topics that we're going to look at uh, this morning. We're going to look at hope and then um, kind of the opposite of hope, um, the, the, the exaggeration, the nasty, you know, only hoping in what is beyond leads to this escapism mentality where it's like your only goal is just to, to survive where you are now so that you can escape later. And that is not what the Christian life should look like. So um, we'll get back to that. Welcome to the Mill Sunday School, first of all. Thank you for coming, seeing your beautiful faces. If you're new to them, I see lots of new people, it seems like. Uh, on, on the table are little cards, and it says a guest card. If you fill that out, you could bring it right out to the lobby. There's that black, uh, uh, sh- I don't know what it is, uh, pipe and drape back there. There'll be some people there. They have a gift for you. Uh, our senior pastor wrote a book. There's information uh, about the church in, in this little gift bag that we will give you. And if you want an email or a call, check those boxes. I personally will call you or email you, let you know more about the young adult college and 20-somethings ministry here at New Life Church. And if you're new as well, make sure you go over and sit with somebody. Kind of our habit is to to go to Sunday school and then go over to what we call big church. And we sit, most of us sit in the back of section 10. So that's where we hang out. So if you're new, do those two things. Um, Just for fun, we have been having this contest of the best Facebook Instagram or Twitter post um, in celebration of 10 years of doing the Mill Sunday School. This, this, I think it's either this fall represents 10 years of Mill Sunday School, which is pretty cool. So we're going to give away a really nice apologetic study Bible to the best post. And there's been some good ones. Here's some of the ones we've had uh, people taking pictures of where they are now. And then it, just make sure you hashtag the Sunday School. One person posted a really old, see the top left picture of, does anybody remember when there was a big globe right here? The world was like in the world prayer center. Um, and it was just really old. And it's like crazy and it was kind of nasty, so we took it out because we, because look at the peak. Now we could see the peak. Isn't it cool that we could see the God's creation and the snow? Anyways, I'm rambling. If you're interested in that, just for fun, it's a little contest. Enjoy. Um, and then next week is the men's flower treat. Raise your hand if you're a man. <laughs> This announcement applies to you, and uh, next week is the men's retreat. It's, uh, we're going to go to Crooked Creek Ranch. Has anybody ever been there? What, what? Um, this year, uh, we're looking at doing a college ministry winter retreat, and so lots of you are like, oh, we, we sometimes do, we have done in the past fall retreats. Uh, we're going to hold off and do a winter one, but the men's retreat is I just, I've been to Crooked Creek Ranch year after year. I think, I was trying to think this morning, I think my first time there was oh. One or O2, and so I've been there many times uh, over the years, and there's just this expectation when I get to that camp that God is going to do something awesome and have this like moment in my life where uh, new things happen and just go really expecting the Lord to work. So if you're a guy, next week um, it starts on Friday. It's Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, then we'll come back. So next week we will cancel the Mill Sunday School on behalf of all the guys going to the fall retreat. I really, really, really want to encourage you to go. Uh, it's 125 bucks, but like I said, it includes two nights, four meals, all, it includes everything. So if you want more information, you can go online and look at our website or Dan Porter's here. Dan, wave your hand. He's, he's got a, a really cool haircut and he's waving. 
And he's, he's on staff with the men's ministry. And so if you're just interested in, like, what's it like? What are we uh, going to do? Uh, what's the theme? The theme is engage, by the way. Engage Jesus. Engage life. I'm going to talk about engaging this, uh, this uh, like, humility and how we live. And so, um, so if you're at all interested, if you're a man, you should, if you're not interested, you should be interested. It's, it's a time to get away and refocus our lives. And so talk to Daniel. Look at the website. Sign up, do that, because we're canceling the Mill Sunday School next week. So if you come to the Mill Sunday School next week, there'll be hopefully a sign on the door, and then you could go to the early service if you forget. But don't forget, um, we're canceled next week. So anyways, let's jump right into Isaiah. Um, 66 chapters of this beautiful book. Just a very quick review of the book of Isaiah. Here's a picture of Isaiah as painted by Michelangelo on the 16th, 16th chapel ceiling. Um, Isaiah lived in the 600, 700s BC, a long time ago. He was a real guy, prophesied over the kingdom reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, this like 60-year period. And it's a probably good um, to say that it's, it's not likely that Isaiah sat down and wrote the book of Isaiah in one setting, because A, it was over the course of 60 years, and B, Isaiah refers to himself in the third person, which is kind of weird. Um, there's like stories about what Isaiah is doing, and then here's the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. So it seems like um, people compiled what Isaiah said over the years, and throughout the book of Isaiah, there are some really, 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 really bad times there's war, there's famine, there's people starving, there's raids, there's children dying. Pretty horrible things. In fact, the cover of your notes today, if you could, you could see what that is, it's a picture of exile. Um, it came out really um, not very dark, but it's Jerusalem in the background and people being led. It's a painting representing the exile, the Babylonian exile of the people of uh, Jerusalem and Judea. And throughout the book of Isaiah are some descriptions of some pretty horrible things. I have just a couple passages to show you. And then we're going to look at the passage of hope. Uh, And I do this to show you what a great hopeful passage Isaiah 65 is after reading something like Isaiah 24, 4, which says, The earth is dried up and withers, the world languishes languishes and withers, the heavens languish with the earth. Isaiah 38, 13, I waited patiently till dawn, but a lion broke all my bones. Day and night made an end of me. Isaiah thirteen eighteen, The bows will strike down all the young men. They will have no mercy on infants, nor will they look compassion on, on children. So imagine the horribleness of war and then children dying in war. Isaiah 3, 7 says that on that day uh, they, they, will, they will cry out, I have no remedy, I have no food or clothing in my house. One final verse of doom and destruction and bad times, Isaiah thirteen sixteen. Their infants will be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their homes will be looted and their wives violated. I personally can't imagine anything worse, any time worse than, than that kind of time that is throughout the book of Isaiah, these, these horrible things happening again and again to the people of God. And then yet, as the book concludes, as the book closes, Isaiah 65, we're going to look at this whole passage from 17 to 65. So I said, uh, put a bookmark in there, because here we are going back to it now. And what I want you to do is to read that passage 
at your table. So if you're at a smaller table, jump in, introduce yourself to another table. Um, go ahead and do that. Everybody's, we're, we're kind of like family in here. Um, get to know each other. That's important. And so read it at your table and then ask each other this. So it'll take a couple minutes to read it. It's quite a few verses, uh, 17 to 25. And be thinking of this question. What is the most hopeful verse to you? Um, as an opinion, like, well, this verse really spoke to me. This verse is something that I would look at as the most hopeful thing being said in this passage. So would you do that? Assign somebody to read, read it, and, and think about what is the most hopeful passage to you. Ready? Cassette? Discuss. So this passage uh, is, has a lot of hope, and, and this week uh, the Mill Sunday School leadership team got together and we talked through some of the things in this passage, and I asked that question, what's the most help, hopeful passage to you? And whereas Brandon said, this partnering with God to create new things, Josh in the back in the, in the tech booth, he said, uh, verse 22, enjoying the work of our own hands. Uh, Whitley, wherever she is, uh, said that verse 18, Jerusalem um, being a delight to the people was uh, the most just hopeful verse to her. So raise your hand if you want to share what was the most hopeful verse to you, Mr. Jordan. <clears throat> I would throw it, but that would be, that'd be really bad. You'd probably catch it, though. Yeah. Um, I really liked 23. Uh, it says, They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. Um, and that just, to me, is like the promise that work won't go unrewarded, like you won't work for nothing, which really sucks, but then also that like your future generations will be blessed and you don't have to worry, you know, like about them, I guess, like swerving from the truth and from Christ. It's basically like a generational protective covering that's almost like a promise, so yeah. I really like that one. That's good. Good. What else? I see a hand over here. Anybody on the way? Jonathan? Yeah. All right. Um, I like 17. The first part is cool. New heaven and new earth is good. But what really spoke to me was the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. We go through circumstances a lot. We come out on the other side. We're like, man, God bless me. And then we still remember and we still kind of stress about that past and that history and those hurts. And this is like a total healing. This is, I'm going to restore you and you won't even remember what happened before. You're going to be so focused on what's ahead of you and what I have in front of you that the past won't even matter. So yeah, that's really cool. Good. It's hopeful, yeah. I'll make my way over here to Michael Marshall. Here you go. I think 6519 uh-huh. would be one of the better ones, at least for me. And also Dan Porter. It reads... Right there, I rejoice in Jerusalem. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and... In my people, and the voice of weeping shall, shall be heard. no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. crying. That's good. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I mean, it's just one of the most hopeful passages in all of the Bible, which means so much to me because as we've been studying Isaiah, we've seen time after time these horrible things. And then here's this passage of hope right towards the end of the book, the Lord leaves us. Um, with this prophet Isaiah's words, with this most hopeful passage, this way of ending this book. And of course, we have hope as Christians. There's this great hope. I just Google imaged hope and heaven, and I found this. It looks a little photoshopped. But we get the idea that this new heaven and new earth where everything is right. Um, it, the, the, uh, no one said this passage, but 
uh, one of my favorites to think about um, as my undergraduate degree was in biology. And I think about sometimes the last verse of that passage says that, what's, how does it say it? The wolf will lie down with the sheep and the lion will eat straw. And I'm just like, that's a different world we live in. Lions don't eat straw. They eat little creatures smaller than them. And wolves do not lie down with sheep unless it's to eat them um, in this world. But the new world is coming. And, and do we think about that literally? Do we think about that figuratively? Well, it's this beautiful image that things will be so different that there won't be destruction, even amongst the animal kingdom. And <clears throat> how does that actually look? How does that play out? There, there's beautiful imagery here to describe that. And I don't know how much is literal versus figurative. But the idea that some of you maybe just need to hear today that hope is a good thing. The Lord wants us to hope even in the midst of circumstances that are horrible. And, and some of the most horrible things that I can imagine are in the book of Isaiah, the famine, the war, children dying, wives being violated. That's this horrible things. And here's Isaiah 65 promising us hope. And so here's the other half of the sermon that I wanted to get to. This exaggeration of, of in a, like a misrepresentation of hope that leads to this idea of escapism. Maybe you've heard the quote um, that someone could be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I think Josh <laughs> reminded us of that quote. I, I forget where it comes from. This idea that we, of course, we should be heavenly minded. Uh, Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. But that is, of course, to be interpreted with this idea of knowing what God has in store for us, knowing that God is living and active and bringing heaven to earth now and not just wanting to get out of here, not just eking by in life and trying to survive this world so that we can escape, not just... um, saying, oh, it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies because in heaven we'll have a new body. So it doesn't really matter if, you know, you don't take care of your body. It doesn't really matter if you sleep around because in the end, you know, we're going to escape this world and we're going to get a new body. Or I'll hear people say very escapist kind of thoughts that aren't engaging of the world we live in today. Um, Think about Genesis. When God created, he called it Good. Like this place is good. We are not just meant to live and escape from it. Um, there's a movie out right now that um, a lot of you will just giggle. I don't know why it's funny, but it is uh, the Left Behind movie, right? Has anybody seen it? Woo woo! Yeah, this whole table. Um, raise your hand if you've seen it. Only like the four of you have seen it. Okay, a few more hands. Thanks for humoring me. Um, I hate it when like Christians put out something and then the the other Christians are the biggest critics of it. It's like, guys, we're all on the same team. So um, I won't make fun of it too much. <laughs> but this movie, it's not really the movie. It's, it's more of the theological, eschatological view of premillennial, pre-tribulation, dispensationalism. And if you don't know what that is, uh, go watch the movie. It's playing in the theater. Um, it's this, basically, it's this idea. It's a view of the book of Revelation, which is, is, by the way, it's not my view. And there's lots, I'm sure if we polled everyone in here, there would be lots of different views of eschatology and how the end times will play out. Uh, my view is not really the, this, this premillennial, pre-trib dispensationalism. Um, and, and maybe yours is not as well. 
But I think one of the things that that view of Revelation can lead to is escapism. Because in the, in the movie, in that view of Revelation, in, in the older... Did any of you read the books that came out years and years ago? Um, and the, did anybody see the movie with Kirk Cameron years and years ago? Um, there's, it looks like there's a whole bunch of you that have no idea what this is, which is fascinating. Um, but anyways, uh, it's a view of Revelation that, that says, as soon as bad things start to happen... All the good people, all the Christians, they peace out. And for some reason that I can't figure out, their bodies leave and their clothes stay. This is lots theologically wrong with this idea. And the fact that the dog doesn't go to heaven. I'm pretty sure I saw a movie called All Dogs Go to Heaven that would prove the opposite of this. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. We're all laughing. It's, it's a view of Revelation that maybe some of you, maybe even many of you hold, that as soon as bad things are about to happen, all the Christians get to peace out and these horrible things happen on earth. And I think that, uh, whether that happens or not, um, I think it won't happen like that. That's my personal view. But it does lead to escapist kind of thinking. Thinking that, oh, this world is evil. This world is bad. Bad things happen in this world, and as soon as it's about to get even worse, we get to escape. We get to peace out. And that, I think people view that sometimes as like, just like God's going to let us escape, or like that salvation. And here's, I think, a big misnomer about how salvation works, is that people will think that Jesus only came to give them a ticket off this world. It's like, well, what about now? What about salvation now? What about bringing God's will, heaven, to earth now? I think we should not think like that. We should not think that Jesus just gave us a fire insurance. Jesus just gave us a ticket out of here to escape later. But in fact, we should engage the world and bring heaven to earth today. Here's some wrong idea. So I'm going to, I'm going to put up three wrong sentences. And I've heard these sentences before within the Christian realm. And it's very escapist theology, escapist philosophy-esque. And you will see it. Um, so what's wrong with these? I'm going to put up three. So this section, start with three. This, like if you're in the middle, start with two. And you guys over here, start with the third one. And if you get done talking about it, then you could do the other ones. But the first one is this. I heard a guy um, in a theology, I was teaching a systematic theology class, and we were talking about soteriology, the study of salvation. And we were talking about an age of accountability, like what happens to babies? What happens to kids? What happens to people that aren't aware of their sin yet, either uh, for whatever reason? Is there an age of accountability in which kids begin to realize they're sinners? And, And so we talked about this, and there was kind of a consensus of babies go to heaven. And then this one kid raised his hand and with all seriousness said something like this, which just shocked everyone. He said, you know, kind of, if babies go to heaven... So uh, why, do we, why is abortion that bad if the babies go straight to heaven? And everyone just like, <laughs> like, really, bro? <laughs> um, what's, wrong with, what's wrong with that? Well, we'll tell you what's wrong with that. We, <laughs> we live in a world where we bring heaven to earth and where God says that we should take care of 
people that can't take care of themselves. And, and we as Christians, uh, for the most part, always argue that point when it comes to abortion. And so, but this guy's theology was so escapist that he just wanted to argue, so, so if babies go straight to heaven, and that's all we're about, that's all, all this earth is about, is just escaping to heaven, then, then shouldn't we be for abortion? And it's like, no, that's wrong. That's, that's an escapist theology to the nth exaggerated means. So that's, if you guys are over there, start with that question. Um, I guess it's more of a statement. What's wrong with this statement? Number two is no need to take care of the earth. It's all going to burn. And I hear this sometimes, like, oh, you know, we don't really need to, it's like, ah, recycling, or ah, dumping chemicals into the ocean, or ah, no big deal, this earth, earth is just going to burn. And it's like, really? Like, all we're meant to do is just escape from the earth? That's, that's an escapist thinking. There's something wrong with it. Um, and then finally over here, uh, the third is this. Um, we, should, uh, we should be allowed to euthanize believers, that means allow them to like doctor-assisted suicides, since they will go to heaven. And it's in the news right now. There's a girl who's 29 and has uh, terminal brain cancer, and she's uh, being interviewed and talking about wanting to take, take her own life into her hands and commit suicide before things get bad. And Christians, for the most part, are usually really against um, the, the, the going out and committing suicide. And there's a whole different discussion about turn, un, pulling the plug. That's a different thing. But this idea of just like, oh, we, our only goal is to get to heaven. So Christians go to heaven. So therefore, we, sh- we shouldn't even worry. We should just euthanize them. Uh, no big deal. Um, if anybody's having a bad day, just, just euthanize because we're going to go to heaven. And that's, of course, very wrong type of thinking. It's escapist type thinking. So if you're in these sections, three, two, or one, start with those questions, and then I'll have a mic and go out and get a few responses. But would you do that at your tables? Ready? Good set? Discuss. All right. I, I realize I'm probably cutting your conversation short, um, but let's get started. Um, I, I just at least want three people to share one from each discussion. Um, so maybe I'll start over here with number three, then we'll go to two, then we'll go to one. Anybody want to start us off? Higgins. Aaron Higgins, thank you. He's a, he always has good things. I know, thank you. <laughs> so, so, you know, I've, I've heard it equated many times that, you know, we, when Sparky gets to be 15 years old. Sparky and, the dog? And, yeah, and he has severe arthritis and he just doesn't have a good quality of life anymore. We feel that it's okay to, to put him to sleep, as we so kindly put it. Um, and yet... How can we don't do that with human beings? Um, but like Joe talked about, this girl who's going to end her life, uh, 29 years old, inoperable brain tumor, she's going to die. But she feels that she, she wants to control something in her life, and so she's chosen to control her own death. Um, I think it's selfish and arrogant and uh, entirely short-sighted. There's a certain beauty in, in suffering. Uh, even, if, even if her suffering ends in death, there can be inspiration and, and something gained from that for, for everybody, not just her, but for the world around her. Good. Wise words from Aaron Higgins. Thanks. So number two is uh, kind of about, more about the earth. Does anybody in this section want to share? Anybody? You, you guys did two or th- one? You did two? Okay. Thank you. 
Which one of you wants to share? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, we were talking about uh, the first commission given to humans in uh, Genesis, and it was to be good stewards of the earth, to understand yeah. all the things in the kingdom. And nowhere in the Bible did it be like, you guys completed your first commission. Congratulations. You good. Don't yeah. Have to take care of anything. The, the book of the Bible opens with take care of this creation. Good. And you guys did uh, number one, the babes. Okay. It's Aaron Spurgeon. This is like opening a can of worms. It um, kind of is. <laughs> All three are. Um, I actually had this conversation with my boss yesterday um, about miscarriages and abortions. And the whole the error in this thinking is that because we know that babies are going to go to heaven or we believe that babies are going to heaven, no matter how they die, they'll end up there. And that's yeah. okay. Um, taking control of that that's not giving God control. That's taking over and saying that we can play God and we can do this for him, yeah. make the decisions for him. My biggest argument, and that's one thing that I've just b- battled and struggled with so much because culture is so popular about do what's right for you, mm-hmm. um, is what's the difference between a baby being inside the belly and outside of the belly? Location. That's it. Yeah. It's murder no matter what, and God says thou shalt not murder. So why does location make a difference? That's good. Good. Thank you, Miss Aaron. <laughs> Preach. Um, uh, the the. I don't know where I'm going to go with this. I have. Um, I think it's this thinking that this world is. Um, I'm going to compare it to a movie, and you'll think it's silly, but it is what it is. Uh, the the movie, The Matrix, that came out really long time ago now, 15 years ago. It's hard to believe. Um, if you've seen the movie, the whole, the whole premise is that this world that we live in isn't real, it's evil, it's, it's not right, and the goal of the, the characters and the story is to get to the real world. And that there's this idea of escaping to what is real, and that this world doesn't really matter. And that is not at all the, the context of Isaiah, the, the, I, would say, I would argue the entire Bible, that we are not just here to survive and, and then eventually escape this world. And however we can get there is that the ends justify the mean. Oh, as long as, as long as in the end I get to sit up in the clouds, then whatever I did on earth doesn't really matter. It's like, no, the, the, this world does matter. Um, there's, there's a pretty famous theologian living today that's uh, writing in this direction and, and be- becoming just a very strong voice for this. And so the nerd alert of the day comes from NT. Have you guys heard of NT, right? If you've been to coming to Sunday school, um, uh, I've, I've mentioned him. If you, if you ever go downtown to New Life Downtown, Glenn Packiam and NT Wright are like best buds or something, at least theologically speaking. Um, NT Wright has written many books. One of them, the first one that I read is called Surprised by Hope. And Glenn read that, I read that, and, and just been, have been really intrigued by the imagination of this world being the world that, that, that heaven will come to. It's a, just a really interesting, different approach to the book of Revelation, a, a different approach to eschatology. It's a different approach in that we don't escape this world, but rather heaven comes to this earth. And, and let me explain. There's, there's the theology of something called the rapture, which is found in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says the, the people living and the people dead will be called up and join join the Lord in the sky, and there'll be trumpets and great joy. 
the rapture. Uh, N.T. Wright says about the rapture, and you could read the, the whole quote in full, the sweet quote of the day. is It's quite a long quote that N.T. Wright basically says that this image should be paired with like the believers and, and uh, people in the graves rising from the dead, meeting the Lord in the sky. And N.T. Wright would argue that it should be inferred that they come right back down and, and bring the Lord. Oh, we don't bring the Lord. I guess the Lord brings the people. He's the one that is sovereign to this world, this earth that is then recreated. And you're like, whoa, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, that is weird. And what that looks like exactly is just interesting. But the idea that this world, this earth, we look out and we see Pikes Peak, will be recreated. And this place, like where I'm standing right now, will be the new heavens and the new earth. It will be recreated. And how that works and what that looks like, it's just, it's, it's for our imagination and for the beauty and to, to think about. But, but you might think, well, what about the end of this earth? There's some famous passages that say that this world will end. Isaiah 65 and Revelation 21 both talk about uh, the new heavens and the new earth. But what's interesting is Isaiah 65 says the old ways won't be remembered anymore. And Revelation 21 uh, goes on to say that, the, that they're, the first earth and the first heaven will pass away. So it's kind of interesting. It doesn't, the language isn't like it gets totally annihilated and destroyed and we go off and live in another galaxy far, far away, but rather it's, it's recreated. It's not just destroyed and we go off and live in another dimension or something. It's recreated and we are brought back, we are resurrected like Jesus was resurrected to this earth. And it's just, a, it's an interesting way to think about it. I'm not saying this is the way you, you should think about eschatology in the end times, but it, 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 it helps me not just think about escaping this world, but rather bringing heaven to earth. And then the final verse, Second uh, Peter 3, you could read that in length, starting around, uh, I think, verse 8 or so, verse 6. It talks about how this world will be destroyed by fire, just like it was destroyed by water in the times of Noah. And if you're like, oh, Okay, that's interesting, because whatever you think about the destruction of the earth at the Noah's time, look around. We're still on earth. <laughs> and so it's, it's not like this total annihilation of earth so much so, that, and then we just get to peace out and live on another galaxy, but rather this view of revelation, which I'm kind of a fan of. My imagination is totally intrigued by this idea of us being resurrected on this earth, and it's being recreated, and it's, it's a place where... Sheep and wolves lie down together. This world will be a place where lions eat straw. This world will be a place where there's no more crying. This world will be a place where, where babies don't die. Like all this imagery in Isaiah 65 is, is about the new heaven and new earth. And, and some things will, like there's still a Jerusalem though. And in Revelation 21, Jerusalem comes down and a new Jerusalem comes down and meets heaven. It's just a really cool imagination of what we have to hope for. And it's that hope that shouldn't be paired with escapism is what I'm arguing. And if you carry that idea out, well, then you have this idea, this, this last idea that I'll kind of leave us with this morning, this idea of liberation in Isaiah and this idea of liberating the poor, liberating those that don't know Christ, liberating those that are weak, liberating those that are on the outside. In so many verses, Isaiah 58 talks about the true fast mentioned this last week. What is the true fast? What are we called to do when we fast to the Lord? Well, Isaiah 58 says, take care of the poor, feed the hungry. Isaiah 61, 
The great prophecy fulfilled in Jesus says, The sovereign Lord is upon me, has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Uh, send me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners. In Isaiah chapter 1, if you read Isaiah 1, it's again and again the Lord says, don't come to me with your worship. I I don't want to hear it anymore. Don't come to me with your prayers. Don't come to me with your meetings. Don't come to me with your sacrifices until you can, Isaiah 1, 17, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And so in conclusion, um, I'm not really sure about this eschatology, Isaiah 65. There's like how it all plays out. Um, I don't know that this view of of Revelation, this view of eschatology uh, can be made into a movie that would would do any good. (laughs) Um, But I do know this, this idea of bringing heaven to earth. I have this little phrase. You can write it down if you want. Um, This idea that Jesus did not come as a ticket out, but rather as a ticket in, into this world to bring heaven to earth. I think of people that are just known for that. Here's a picture of Mother Teresa um, going to the poor of Calcutta, the disabled, the outcast, bringing heaven to earth. When the the poor, when the hungry are fed, that's, that's bringing the ways of heaven to earth. And this, this idea of what we do here on this earth, in our lives, will echo in the heavens, will echo for eternity because it's the ways of God and his ways are eternal. So hopefully your imagination is stirred. Hopefully there's this idea of hope. Like, yes, we do hope in the end when this world, the new heavens and the new earth will be recreated. And hopefully you've heard a little bit about, we're not just escaping. We're not just here to survive and then peace out and, 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 and leave this world with, with nothing more than you know, what we came in with it, but rather bring heaven to earth while we are here. So let's pray. Lord, as we come before you um, this week um, at Sunday School being stirred in our imagination that, that you are in charge, you are sovereign. God, our hope is in you. Uh, we are here, we are your servants to bring heaven to earth, to bring your ways, to bring your will here on earth. And Lord, don't let us get into this mindset that salvation is all just about escaping this world and, and a free ticket out, a free ticket to heaven. But Lord, let us see that, that we are here called. We are here now. Salvation is upon us. You said, Jesus, that um, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now when you came. And that bringing heaven to earth is is probably the most important thing we can do after receiving you for salvation. So Lord, we honor you with our lives. We love you. We praise you. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.